with me this morning, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 27, we'll begin to read in verse number 9 this morning. Acts chapter 27, we'll begin to read in verse number 9. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on this subject, rescued from the storm. Rescued from the storm. Acts chapter 27, we'll begin to read in verse 9. I'll invite you to stand this morning, all those that can, those that are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. When Acts chapter 27, beginning to read in verse number 9, the Bible says these words, And when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to enter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest in winter there. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete, but not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose, caused Euroclidon. And when the ship was called and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And when and they had taken it on board, when they had taken it on board, and they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground. On the skirt of sands, they struck sail, and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. And on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after a long abstinence from, from food, then Paul stood up in the midst of them and said, Men... You should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel, the God whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the 14th night had come and we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. They took some soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they'd gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be safe. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, as we do every time we gather together around your word here in this place, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today. God, you will open our ears to hear. And God, we simply pray that your perfect will would be done in every heart and life for the one who's never turned and trusted Jesus to be Lord of their life. God, I pray that you will convict them of their sin. Strip away the blinders of religion, what the world says it takes to be saved. And God, show us from your word today. Show them their sin, Christ's righteousness, and their need for it. God, I pray for those in the church who are going through storms today, those who know you, uh, those who have walked with you. God, I pray for those that are going through storms, some of their own doing. God, I pray that they'll see how they got there, and they'll repent of that today, and they'll trust Jesus, Lord, to lead them back to a place of a restored life. We pray for those, God, who are going through storms of, that are not of their own doing. God, they're just on the ship. God, we pray that they'll be encouraged today. Lord, that you will free them in their mind. God, you will set them free from the storm that Satan seeks to rage there while they're actually riding out a storm. And God, like Paul, they'll stand today and find freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ 
and in him alone. We simply ask as we come to invitation, what you desire to do, you'll do it today as we bow our will to yours. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Now I'll invite you again uh, to be seated. 27th chapter of the book of Acts, Paul has now uh, begun his voyage uh, to Rome. In some chapter and some passages that we'll look at some tonight and then over the next couple of weeks as we conclude, Paul has made two uh, different uh, testimonial appeals now uh, to Felix and to Agrippa. But now he's boarded the ship and he's begun to set voyage uh, to Rome. And now we find in the 27th chapter of the book of Acts, Paul finds himself in the midst uh, of, of a storm. Uh, the Bible says that uh, 275 others uh, did too. That's how many were on this boat. Uh, the majority, by their own choosing, they find themselves in this storm. Paul and Luke, they didn't choose this. It's not what they wanted. But still yet, they're on the boat, and they find themselves in the midst of this storm. I want you to notice these three truths this morning uh, from this text of how to be rescued uh, and how you can be rescued uh, from the storm. Number one, I want you to notice this morning, the sad reason. The sad reason. Uh, the sad reason that this storm uh, came about and they found themselves there. Well, first of all, the Bible says in verse number 9, Now when they had spent uh, much time, and much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous because of the fast that was already there. Uh, so here they are on the ship, and, th and they've, they've entered some difficulty. Verse 8 says, Passing it with difficulty, they came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of uh, Lycia. And so there they are, they're anchored they're there, and, and so the weather is not such that they can sail out. Uh, from all appearances, it doesn't look like it's going to be safe sailing. And so time is passing. The clock continues to roll. They have to wait. And so for Paul, that's no big deal. Uh, for Luke, it's no big deal because no matter where they are, every, it's always an opportunity to live on mission. But for the owner of the ship, for the centurion, uh, for the guards, they're, they're not with their family. They're not able to move on in life. For the owner of the ship, it's wasted money. Uh, there's 275 other people, with 276 told, but 275 others besides Paul there. And so they're, they're concerned about how, how can we get more workers on here. They have goods on there. Well, they want to unload those goods because it's all about the money. And so time continues to tick. We're, we're, wasting, we're wasting time. And so we've got to make a decision. We've got, no matter what the situation looks like, no matter the, how the seas are not favorable for sailing, we, we've got to make a decision because time is ticking. Friend, I want to tell you, when it comes to making decisions, peace doesn't come that way. Pressure pushes you into decisions that way. Peace never leads you to a place that you've got. We've got to hurry and make a decision. That's not peace. Whenever you come to a place that you feel pressured, I've, I've got to hurry and choose. Now, I want you to listen to me. You don't, don't take that too far. If you're, if you're sitting on the tracks and you see a singular light coming down towards you and you hear a big noise going toot, toot, um, you better make a decision real quick and get off the tracks. Okay? That's not the time to have prayer and say, well, you know, I'm going to fast for a couple of days. Now, I'm going to see what God wants me to do about this. No, you better get off the tracks. But there are times, friend, when, when we don't have to make an immediate decision. But the devil will begin to push in your back pressure. You're wasting time. You're wasting time. Many people have been pushed into marriages, bought houses, cars, made decisions about their jobs, taken a new job, made financial decisions because of pressure. They never prayed and sought the peace of of God. And so one of the reasons that they're going to end up in this storm that we've already read about, man, they're fearing for their lives, is because much time had been spent. The clock was ticking and they had, they had to hurry. Many have made rash decisions that affect not only themselves, but don't you listen to me. The decisions that you make in your life, they never affect just you. They always affect everyone that's in your boat. And whatever that boat represents, your family, all those that work with you, all those that are involved with you, it never affects you and you alone. It affects everybody else. And so by the choice of the majority, everybody on the ship's going to have to sail into this storm. But listen to verse number 9. The Bible says that Paul began to advise them. He had sought the Lord. The centurion had apparently come to him and says, you know, well, Paul, what do you think? You're God's man. And so Paul had prayed. 
He had, he had, he had turned, listen, he wanted to go to Rome. Remember, it was the, the Ephesian elders said, Paul, listen, death awaits you in Rome if you go there. And nothing, none of that would deter them. He, he was ready to go forward to do what God wanted him to do, but yet he prayed and knew that it wasn't the time to go. For whatever reason, the seas were not favorable for sailing. God had placed a stop sign in front of Paul. And, and Paul knew that he needed to get there, but he also trusted God's timing. And so he had prayed, and he began to advise them, verse number 10, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster, and with much loss, not only to the cargo and the ship, but much more importantly, to, to all our lives. And so he, he began to advise them. But, but listen sadly to what happened in verse number 12. The Bible says, Nevertheless, the centurion who was in charge of Paul and really the whole, the whole boat, even though he didn't own it, he was more persuaded by the helmsman and by the owner, he turned to these experts. And nothing wrong with turning to an expert. Uh, you know, if, if, you, if you need to have brain surgery, you, you, know, you, de- you don't need to go talk to a mechanic. You need to talk to, to, uh, to a neurosurgeon. And I would advise you, you know, that if your carburetor is gone out, you probably don't want to go talk to a neurosurgeon. You need to talk to a skilled mechanic. There's nothing wrong with, with seeking advice from an expert. Why don't you listen to me? When the advice of that expert runs contrary to the Word of God, you better listen to the Word of God. Because a lot of times people will begin to go and ask questions of experts that will tell them what they want to hear. And somehow that's going to ease their conscience. Friend, listen, the helmsman wanted to get home, the guy that was steering the ship, the owner of the ship, he wanted to get back home so he could get more people and more goods on the ship, and the centurion wanted to get home. He wanted to get back to his family and get back to living. And so he sought the advice that sounded the most favorable to him. Nowhere do we ever see that the centurion simply desired to know what the will of God was. If you're going to stay out of the storms of life that are avoidable, you better seek the will of God in all things. And sometimes God's going to say, no, it's it's not time yet. We, We need to wait a little bit. And it takes faith to trust him in that moment. But sadly, no. He, he listened, he, he listened to, to the voice of, of the helmsman. It isn't wrong again to seek counsel of those experienced, but you better make sure that the counsel of those experienced doesn't contradict the Word of God. Where the Word of God speaks, friend, God is spoken and it is forever settled in heaven. You better trust that and trust that it's for your good and for his glory. Well, the Bible says again that it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't suitable. None, none of these things were, were right. And, and so as far as where to harbor, verse 12 says another reason that they ended up there was because it, it didn't seem to them the best place to be. It says it wasn't suitable. It means that it wasn't going to be an easy place to winter. Uh, maybe it didn't have the best accommodations. Uh, it wasn't the most lavish. You know, you know there's, listen, you've been there before. Uh, you've, you've, you've got caught in a bad situation, either something's happened to your car, and you know, you're like, well, you're driving down the highway, and you see an exit, and so you look on that blue sign, and you see, you know, the Roach Motel. And you're like, oh, let's stay there. Maybe they've got a breakfast bar. No, you don't want to stay there. You're looking for a place that's going to be more, more favorable. Just, a, you know, no roaches. A little cleaner. They've got a better rating. You know just by the, and I'm not going to name any, but just by the name of the place, you know, well, that's going to be a good place to go. It's a place that you've, you've, you've stayed at before. You've got confidence. You say, I, don't, I really don't want to stay in a roach motel tonight. And that's what this place was to them. They saw that it was not going to be the most easy place to winter. It was going to be uncomfortable. And so one of the things that motivated them to hurry and make a decision was, you know, I can't be uncomfortable. And friend, that's, that is one of the sad marks of our country. Uh, you know, and, and, it, and it spills over into ministry. We see it all the time. I've shared with you one of the greatest fights there is in ministry. It's not over uh, the authority of Scripture. It's not over the inspiration of the Scripture. It's over the thermostat. It's the battle over the thermostat. Some people are too hot. Some people are too cold. Uh, when we move things, you know, why, why did we move this class? Why did we move these chairs? Why did we start new literature? Why did we change the schedule? Because we're so spoiled in this country. I mean, we've got to be absolutely comfortable. 
We're so comfortable. Friend, I want to tell you something. The early, well, don't you think that the Christians, the church in Ukraine, they'd give anything to be able to come to this place today and sit? Friend, they'd sit on a five-gallon bucket if they could have church day without somebody shooting a bullet at them. But if we sat, listen, if we had sat plastic chairs out here today, you know I'm telling the truth. Half the church would have frowned up. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And so they, they've got to be comfortable. Friend, nowhere in Scripture does the Bible promise us that our lives must be comfortable. When we follow Jesus Christ, we forsake all. We forsake everything. We turn aside from every earthly pleasure and anything that God gives us, friend, it's icing on the cake. But they got out of God's will because this, this, was, this, this wasn't going to be an easy thing to do. It was, going to be, it was going to be challenging. And so they leave the certainty, they leave the certainty of safety for something that, that looks more pleasurable. And so if it looks pleasurable, it must be the right thing, right? Not always the case, friend. That doesn't mean that God wants us just to live a life of misery. Listen, there's nothing, there's nothing spiritual about just being miserable and then trying to make everybody else miserable with you. You know, and we've, we've, I've, I've met those people before. You know, would, would, you, would you like a sandwich? Well, I eat mine without bread. Well, great for you, you know. They, just, they, they try to just make themselves miserable and then everybody else with them. That's not the point. The point was, was that they saw their situation wasn't going to be in their eyes as green a pasture as it was up the road. But one of my best friends when I was growing up, his daddy always used to say, he said, now boys, the grass may be greener on the other side. He says, but you don't know how much that fertilizer bill is. And Paul didn't realize, friend, what it was going to, the, the centurion didn't realize what it was going to cost him to leave the safety and the certainty of where they were in God's protection. And so they, they begin to move. It's going to be challenging. So easier doesn't always mean right. The real question to always praise this, and young people, you better hear my voice today. The real question to ask is, is it God's will? Is this what God wants for me? Is this what God wants for my family? Is this what God, not is it popular, not is it going to keep everybody Happy. Everybody wasn't going to be happy. Everybody wanted to leave but Paul and Luke. The question is, what does God want? What, what is His will in all of this? Well, another reason that they chose to leave, look what the Bible says in verse number 12. Not only was it suitable, was it not suitable to winter in for them, in their mind, but the majority advised them to set sail from there also. Well, everybody else just jumped in. Look what the Bible says in verse number 37. Luke writes and says, in, in all, uh, in the ship, we were two, 276 persons on the ship. So 274 others that we know, we don't know how many exactly was in Paul's party, but at least we know Paul and Luke were in God's will. The other 274 says, hey, look, no, no, that's it. Hey, we, we, vote, we vote with the helmsman. We, we vote with the owner of the ship. Let's go, everybody, let's go. And so whatever's going to keep everybody happy, Man, I've seen it in ministry. We don't we want anybody to be upset. Friend, listen, you're never going to conduct ministry that everybody's going to be happy. Everybody in the family's not going to be happy. Everybody in the workplace isn't going to be happy. Matter of fact, listen, I worked at a place when I was in seminary. They gave out free turkeys every Thanksgiving to everybody. And I literally heard people walk away with that free frozen turkey and say, well, couldn't it have been bigger? I kid you not. It wasn't big enough. You're, you're never going to make everybody happy. And if you make decisions based on what's popular, you're not always going to be in God's will. And people make decisions in their life and their family. They condone things because I don't, I don't hear this. I've heard this. Well, I don't want to hurt anybody. I want to tell you something. There's wrong with something wrong with you if you do want to hurt everybody. You've got something contrary in your spirit. If your desire is just to constantly... Pick a fight and light a fire. Something's wrong in your spirit. But I will tell you on the far end, something's wrong in your spirit if you're always concerned about keeping everybody happy. Well, I don't want my family to be upset with me. The Bible says nowhere in Scripture, friend, that my family has to be happy with me. 
The Bible says nowhere in Scripture, friend, that the church has to be happy with me. The Bible says nowhere in Scripture that my neighbor has to be happy with me. Listen, friend, if Jesus is happy, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. One of the reasons that they sailed in this storm is they were, they were so concerned what everybody else thought. Everybody else thought. I mean, the Holy Spirit was warning them. Paul was warning them. Bells and whistles were going off. Don't sail out of here. But the majority had spoken, and so we've got to go with the majority because we've got to keep everybody happy. God's less concerned for about your happiness and more concerned about your holiness. And when they sailed out of that port, friend, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. To him that knoweth do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. They sinned against God by doing it. They sinned against God by doing it. So the majority was, was all on board. So again, the, pro- the problem is not the majority view, but that the majority view was contrary to God's Word. That's the thing. Sometimes it may line up. Boy, it's great when everybody in the church is on the same page. It, I mean, it's wonderful. There's peace. It is, Scott, he's right. It is one of my favorite songs. It's a, I, everybody in heaven's going to be happy over there. Praise the Lord. No frowny faces. No poochy lips. No people walking around that really just want to ask you. You know they're looking at you. What's wrong? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong. None of that in heaven. Everybody's going to be happy. So it's wonderful when the majority is on board. But just because the majority feels it doesn't mean that it's in God's will. We see it in people's lives. You know, I'm, I'm going to try, you fill in the blank, this fad, because everybody's doing it. Because everybody's doing it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this because everybody's doing it. I'm going here because everybody else is doing it. I'm going to look at it this way. I'm going to shake my family, my goals, my life around this, because that's the way everybody else is doing it. Friend, listen, hopefully everybody else is doing it because that's the way the Bible leads and the Bible commands. But it doesn't matter. If everybody else goes the same, the same direction, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul and Luke were going to do. That's what God calls us to do. But they wouldn't do that. They followed the majority. Friend, I want to remind you, we're living in a day where the Bible says the majority are going to go away. You know, if you look in the book, in the New Testament, you really look at the ministry of Christ, his crowd always got smaller and smaller and smaller. You remember John chapter 6, verse number 6, 6, the Bible says, and from that day, his quote-unquote disciples, the T-shirt crowd, you know, they all had the T-shirt, we're a disciple, but it was in name only. When he really began to lay out in John chapter 6 what it meant to be a disciple, the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 66, from that day, many of his disciples followed no more. And then he looked at his disciples, the twelve, and says, are you going to go away also? And Peter grabbed hold and says, look, we don't care what that crowd does. Where else shall we go? We believe and we know that you're God's man. You're the Messiah. Friend, I want to tell you something. When you're on God's side, you're on the majority. You're on the majority. So don't let the devil push you into making the decision that puts you into a storm because you're worried about not hurting people. Don't try to hurt people, but you can't worry about hurting people. People are going to think, people are going to do whatever they want to. But as long as God's happy, that's all that, that matters. So the Bible says in verse number 13, another reason that they made this, you know, they haven't sailed out yet. But one of the sad reasons that they ended up where they were, look at verse 13. When the south wind blew softly, well, it had been, it had been rough weather, but now all of a sudden there's a break. The sea's calmed. It's almost placid. And that warm south wind blows. Listen, it's, it, it doesn't matter if the temperature gets up in February into the 50s. If the winds are in the north, it still feels cold. Can I get a witness? Amen. That wind chill to get a hold of you. But I want to tell you something. If something starts down in the Gulf of Mexico on that day and begins to gently blow out of the south, there's no clouds in the sky, you've got on a good black fleece jacket. Can I get a witness here? And you sit down in a chair, and that south warm wind begins to blow. Well, there's nothing like it, is it? Just to sit and bask in the glow of all of God's goodness. Well, that's what had happened. All of a sudden, the wind started to blow from the south. And, and you know someone probably said, Oh, 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 there's a sign. I prayed God would give us a sign. I, listen, boys, I've laid the fleece out. 
I have laid the fleece out. And here's, see, it's, it, it's favorable now. God must be in it. Paul had already said, boys, I'm advising, God doesn't want us to do this. But what they saw told them, no, you need to do this. The Bible says we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And so they looked, listen, the reason they were so happy about what they saw is because they already wanted to do to begin with. They had made up their mind that they were going to do it. My friend, I want to tell you the truth. When you've already made up your mind what you're going to do, you're wasting your time to even pray about it. Because you're not going to hear anything from God. The true disciple of Christ comes to him about a decision and says, God, certainly, yes, I have this indesired state just as Jesus prayed that this cup would pass for me, but that at the end he finished his prayer with, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's the heart of a disciple. He says, God, I only want your will if you want us to stay here as miserable as it, as it is, we'll stay here. If you want us to go, we'll go. We really want to go. But if it's your will to stay here, I know somehow you're going to work it out for our good and for your glory. So you're wasting your time to even pray about something if you've already made up your mind the way it has to be. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you this morning? Because I'm getting that calf staring at a new gate look from some of you. When, when you've already decided, you know, no, we're going. We've got to get out of here. And no matter what, I'm going anyway. I had a lady stand and tell me one time, she says, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm, we're doing it anyway. I'll tell you this, at least she had the guts to say it. Many people do it anyway. In their hearts, they say, God, I don't care what your word says. I'm going to live this way. We're going to do this. We're going to have these idols in our life. We're not going to call them idols, but that's really what they are. These are things we're going to love and devote ourselves more to you. We're going to do it. It doesn't matter what your word says. And so it looked favorable for them. And so because of that, the devil's like, see, there you go. God must be in this because it looked favorable. The favorableness, friend, still ran contrary to God's word. It ran contrary to God's word. But they still stepped out into that. And so the Bible says, even though they saw all those things, that went against God's expressed word. Look at verse number 13. And when they saw the wind that had blown softly, supposing they had attained their desire, that means God's in it, putting out to sea. That is, they, they backed it off the ramp. They launched out, and they sailed close by Crete. So far, so good, right? Huh? Every, I mean, listen, it's, we just... Listen, it's, this is Joel Osteen doctrine, buddy. You know, live every day like it's Friday. Because God wants us to be happy, right? That's what He wants. That's, that's, that's the popular theology of the day. So we're out, we're sailing, everything's going to be fine. Even though God had already said through Paul, don't go. But not long after, not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose. All of a sudden, the flag on top of the mast, it changes directions. Now the tip of it's no longer pointing north, it's pointing south. The wind's not blowing the same direction. And the ship begins to lift up and down. People are getting nauseous. Heads are starting to hang overboard. Now it doesn't seem like it's such a great thing to do. And the Bible says here in verse number 15, So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. What's that mean? They absolutely lost control. Now they're not in charge of anything, friend. The sea is. They're absolutely, and listen, don't miss this. All of this could have been avoided. Every bit of it, if they'd have stayed there. Listen, did they have the nicest toilets? No. Was it going to be the nicest lodging? No. What was it just, you know, was it someplace you'd want to go on vacation for the winter? Absolutely not. But it was safe. And not only that, friend, far more important than that, it was in the center of God's will. It was the best place to be, right in the center of God's will. Second, I want you to notice now, not only the sad reason, but the sure reckoning. The sure reckoning. Verse number 15 says, they, they've lost control now. And many with the same testimony have followed their desires of their heart rather than following Jesus, and they lose control. They lose control of their life, they lose control to the addiction. 
They, they lose control to, to the effect it's going to have on them, their families. They, they lose everything. They lose it. They had to have it. God was putting body blocks up, saying, stop. And, and matter of fact, they probably put it on a prayer list saying, we've got this thing you know, we're wanting to do. We're wanting to sail to do this. Reason. And, and, and we just keep being hindered. Just, just pray that God will remove all these hindrances. And there are probably people in the church that prayed for it. And I just remove all those hindrances so we can sail out. And it was never mentioned, but really what we want is just God's will. I wonder how many times on Wednesday night in you know, prayer list, we're really praying against the will of God. Brother Randy's one of the only people I've ever known that used to pray this when he'd prayed. We would pray and ask things, but say, but God, if you've got a different plan, we don't want to pray against your will. And friend, I'm telling you, that's biblical. That's biblical. But somehow we think sometimes we know what's best. You know, we, we're praying for this end desire to happen. And maybe the reason the person got sick is because God's trying to hem them up, but we're trying to pray them out, and God's trying to hem them up so they'll bow their knees to Him. Or they've got this adversity on the job. God's trying to use that a storm in their life to bring them to their knees. And we're praying, now God quit blowing on them. And God says, I'm, you've been praying I'd save them. I'm, I'm leading them to that place. And so the way to pray is for God's will to be done. Well, they've lost control now. Now, so now, now the south wind isn't blowing softly anymore. Look at verse number 16. And running around the shelter of an island called Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty. Don't miss the part again, friend. They left where they were because it was going to be difficult. And now they're living in the midst of greater difficulty. Friend, I promise you, the devil will always make it look like it's easier out of God's will, but it's more difficult. Eve stood in the garden that day, friend. Listen, they owned from the North Pole to the South Pole. All the earth and the fullness thereof was theirs. God had given them a mission. He'd given them a family. They were about to begin one. And the devil came and tempted and says, Look, no, you're missing out. You're going to be much more happier when you go against God's law and you eat of that tree of knowledge in the midst of the garden because you're going to be just like God. And she ate of it. Adam willingly ate of it. The Bible says, by one man sin entered the world and death through sin. And then, friend, by the sweat of their brow, they begin to live. It's a whole lot more difficult now. There in the garden it was, and here out on the sea. And I promise you, friend, it's all, life's always going to be more challenging where you thought the grass was greener and God said to hunker down, I'm ready to move you. It's always going to be more difficult. Listen, the devil, friend, the Bible says in John 10, 10, he doesn't come to bring life and life more abundantly. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And all the counsel, all the advice, all the assurance that he gives you, it's always going to be for that end state. It's not for your good. It's not for God's glory. He wants to steal Kill and destroy. But don't get the big head. It's really not about you. It's because you belong to God. He wants to hurt his child. So now they're living a life of, of difficulty. They had to have a more suitable place. Restful, easy, comfortable. But now they're trying to secure this with, with difficulty, the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, and verse number 15. You might want to write this down. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. If you're unfaithful to God, friend, you're never going to find an easy life. You're not going to find it. It's, just, it's, it's not going to happen. It can't. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse number 22. The Bible says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. If you've got peace outside of God's will, friend, I want to tell you something. You don't belong to the Lord. Sin is joyful, the book of James says, but only for a season because the end result is always death. It's always death. That baby's going to grow. Everybody loves a baby. And sin is fun for a season. Listen, if you say sin's not fun for a season in the flesh, friend, you're not being truthful. It is fun for a season. The Bible says, but listen, when that season is past and the baby grows up, friend, it always yields one thing, and that's death. Death of testimony. Death of joy. That's the judgment now. They're, they're experiencing 
that. The Bible says in verse number 18, and because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed. I mean, listen, that, that word exceedingly tempest-tossed means, friend, listen, it was rocking and rolling. I don't mean it was a little bit choppy. I mean, it's, and listen, I know some of you are sympathetic pukers, and I'm not trying to make you run for the doors, but I'm telling you, friend, listen, everybody's head was hung over the side. The sky looked green, and they didn't have trouble fasting because they all had empty stomachs. It was a hard, bouncy drive, and everyone was absolutely scared to death. But what they saw, friends, that, listen, we're going to find more joy, more joy, and we're going to find more peace. But Jesus says, come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden. He says, I'll give you rest. The devil says, you're not going to find rest staying here in this, this harbor. By all the world's standards, it's not a suitable place to stay. So they chose to, to leave what God had called them to do. And now they're in this storm in their life, and they have no rest. But in Jesus Christ, there was rest. So they left because of what they perceived they were, they were losing by staying. Here they were sitting in the harbor, and they thought, you know, we're missing out. We're missing out on time with our families. We're, we're, but now they may not see their families again. They, they were missing out on selling more goods, but now they may lose all the goods that are on the ship, and they will. Now we're missing out on getting the ship so we can load it with more passengers. When that, we may end up losing the whole ship, and they will. They saw all of these things they were missing out on, but they ended up losing it altogether. They, they thought they were missing out. Verse number 19 says, On the third day, they threw over the ship's tackle overboard with their hands. We've got to go so we can unload these goods and make more money by getting more goods on our ship. Well, they never were able to deliver those. They said, We're missing out by staying, but they ultimately ended up losing. Friend, I'm telling you, you'll never find God. Listen to me. I know this is uh, redundant, but you'll never find God's will by being out of God's will. You're never going to get more of God. You know, I just think if I go ahead and do this anyway, God's just going to bless me. And the reason many people think that, that's the scripture of the day. Just like when Nathan came after he'd lost his mind, it appears for a moment and told David, look, go do all that's within your heart. God's with you. This is what they were holding on to. doesn't matter what God's Word had said through Paul. This is what I want to do. And so I just believe, you know, because God loves me and Jesus loves me, He can't be anything but good to me, then God's going to give me the desires of my heart. Well, the desires of a disciple's heart, friend, ought to be for what God's will is and nothing less. People twist that. Scripture say, well, this is what I want, therefore God's going to give me the desire of my heart. Not so, friend. He's not going to go contrary to his word. Well, I've prayed it, I've named it, and I've claimed it. It doesn't matter what you've named and what you've claimed. It's not going to happen unless it's God's will for your life. You may go get it, but you'll get it outside of the will of God. You can pray for a million dollars. God, give me a will. It may not be God's will for you to have a million dollars. You say, well, I'm going to go get a million dollars. Well, you can go rob a bank, but you're going to do it outside of the will of God. And that's what they had done. They had, they had launched their ship, and now they're experiencing God's judgment. And now they probably want their money back for all those books they bought at the Bible bookstore with the author that was smiling at them like a mule-eating briars that promised them that God was going to do whatever they wanted. And they started living their life with all this doctrine that's contrary to God's, God's Word. Now they're experiencing the judgment because of it. And so they've had to lighten the load. They thought they were missing out. Now they're really missing out. I mean, it's, it's a wise chorus in a song. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Slowly but wholly taking control. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Slowly but wholly. It will completely take control of your life. Sin will leave you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you far more than you want to pay. None of these people wanted to be where they were. None of these people wanted to experience the loss. But whatsoever is not of faith is sin. To him to do good and do it not. To him it's sin. And so they turned away from the will and the word of God. Matthew chapter 16 verse 26. Jesus says, what profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? They didn't want God's plan. 
And now they're facing God's judgment. That brings us to third, and I close, the saving rescue. The saving rescue. God in His grace, even though they don't deserve it, and friend, I want to tell you, neither did we. We live in a country where people say, I want what I, I deserve. You better be careful if you say that. The only, the only thing we deserve is hell, every one of us. That's what we deserve. But in grace and in mercy, Christ died in our place, and He offers us life and life more abundantly. Well, God let them hit rock bottom. Look at verse number 20. Stay with me. We're heading to invitation. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after a long abstinence from food... Now, notice this. Paul and Luke, they didn't want this. But they're on the boat. They're suffering because of the choices of others. They haven't eaten. Surely they've been seasick. They've been bounced up and down, no matter how many more contusions and bumps and bruises they both have. But after a long absence from food, then Paul stood up in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. He said, you should have listened to me. Well, it wasn't Paul. He says, you should have listened to God. And not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster of loss. And now I urge you to take heart. Paul says, be of courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Well, how can you say that, Paul? Verse number 23. For there stood by me this night an angel of, the, of God, of the God of whom I belong and whom I serve. Now listen, it's going to be God's specific will for that moment to spare everybody. But friend, I'm telling you, you are wrong to believe if you can sail out of God's will that God's just obligated to save your ship and to save your neck. God's not obligated. Matter of fact, He may let you experience judgment. You may step so completely out of God's will that it's what God brings you home with. Have no idea what the decision is going to bring about. But in this very moment, he chose to be gracious to all those people on board. The majority would be blessed because of Paul and Luke. Now, this is what I want to encourage you. Here was the rescue, twofold. God's going to rescue Paul and Luke because he's not through with them. Paul still has to go to Rome. Acts chapter 23, verse 11, Jesus had told him, Paul... Be of good cheer. You still must also testify me in Rome. Paul's going to share the gospel in Rome. Now, don't you listen to me. There is nothing that the world and the devil can do to you when you are inside God's will if God's not through with you. Listen to what I'm telling you, friend. I'm telling you, in the will of God, rightly surrendered to Christ's lordship, exactly where he wants you to be, you are immortal until God's through with you. All of hell, friend. I'm telling you, friend, a dump truck can fall on top of you and you're not going to die. Why? Because God still has things He wants to do in you and through you. There was not a wave big enough that could sink the ship when Paul and Luke were on there because God wasn't through with Paul and Luke. It wasn't, about, it wasn't because of Paul. It was all because of God's will through Paul. I'll tell you what was on that ship. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. The book of Luke was on that boat. The book of Acts that we're reading, friend, listen, it was floating around right up here in Luke's mind. God still had a purpose. And so you say, well, I'm going through a storm right now. Listen to me this morning. I hope you'll find rescue this morning from that storm in this. If, if God's not through with you, that storm's not going to kill you. You're going to survive it. You're going to, you may get sick, you may get bumped, and you may be bruised. You may be shaking around with everybody else, but I'm telling you, friend, you're going to see the other side of the storm if God's not through with you. He's going to accomplish His will when you're in the dead center of His will. But here's the other way Paul got rescued. He got rescued in his mind. The Lord spoke to him, and he, he, seized, he seized this opportunity to stand and, and to give a word. Look at verse number 24. He says, do, do not be afraid. That's what the angel says, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar. Now, I wonder if Luke looked at him. I know my time's running out on me. But I wonder if Luke looked at him, you know, Luke chapter 8, and he says, now, you know, Paul, we were in a similar situation just like this. You'll never forget. We were sailing across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus told us, get in the boat. We were going to the other side. And Paul, I'm telling you, you this storm really doesn't even compare with that one. And do you know what Jesus was doing? Why, Paul, he was asleep in the front of the boat. Looked like a little baby. He looked so precious up there. 
just sleeping away, getting some rest, because ministry will wear you out. Somebody say amen. He says he was resting. He says, and, and waves, water started getting in the boat. And, and we started crying out, and we thought we were going to die. And we woke him up and says, Max, don't you care that we perish? And he says, where's your faith? Didn't I tell you we were going to the other side? I wonder if Luke shared that before Paul heard that. And he was encouraged in his mind just to, be, just, just to find rescue from, from what Satan was trying to do. There's storms that affect us on the outside physically, but friend, there are storms that affect us spiritually and psychologically. And some of you are going through challenging times today, and, you, and the devil's told you there's, there's no hope whatsoever. There's just no hope. You look at the world, the world's seen, all that's going on. Maybe something medically that's going on in your life, in a relationship. You've got a kid or grandkid that's absolutely driving you nuts because they will not get in line with the Word of God. They're breaking your heart. And the devil's trying to get in your brain so there's no hope. You may be a widow, a widower. You're facing challenges, adversity. Listen, you're on a fixed income. You're on the fixed income. And how are you going to pay for gas that's $375? Your power bill's tripled. You're wondering all these things. And Satan's just trying to bring you... How are you going to survive this storm? And Paul survived the storm from, from the Word of God. He came to him and spoke says, Paul, listen, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Maybe Paul looked back and says, you know what? I was in something, Acts 16. Me and Barnabas were in something just like this. You remember Luke? God set us free. In the midnight hour, he moved. And so Paul, listen, just began to speak and, and to, give, to give a word from the Lord. He just began to speak and to stand up before a faithless crowd. He says, therefore, take heart, men. Listen, he says, for I believe, that, I believe God that it will be just as he told me. In front of that whole crowd that wanted to go the other direction, he says, I believe the Lord. And I know it's a challenging day. Our world's in the storm. But what would happen, friend, in the midst of, of our storm that we're in, or in the storm you're in, that if you just stood in the face of the devil and said, Devil, I believe God. He's promised He'll never leave me and He'll never forsake me. He's promised that where I am, that where He is one of these days, He's going to come and get me and take me that I can be with Him. He's promised that. And so I'm just going to claim that truth. I believe the Lord. I belong to the Lord, verse 23. I'm serving the Lord, and I'm just going to believe God's Word in these days. And friend, I'll tell you, when you begin to claim that, and you begin to believe it, and you begin to let your life be shaped in the steps that follow after, God will set you free from the storm. Now, don't miss this. Paul still stayed on the ship, but there wasn't a storm up here. I'm telling you, listen, it was placid in Paul's mind. It was sunny and placid in his heart. He was still getting bounced around. But God sailed him into the harbor and he sailed him on to Rome and he stood and he looked at Caesar and he preached the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how you can find rescue from the storm. I want to ask you a question this morning. Everybody look up here at me. Are you in a storm today? Is there a storm in your life of some kind? Now I want to ask you this. How did you get there? Is it because you went against the will of God? Or you just ended up there by staying in the will of God. And if you disobeyed God, you need to repent of that. If you were like the majority that just walked right across the word and the will of God, you need to repent of that today. And ask God if he would in his mercy and his grace to restore you back to where you were. If you're in the storm but it's not of your own choosing, do like Paul. Choose to press on. Believe God. Believe God. Believe His Word. He'll never leave you, and He'll never forsake you. But I want you to listen to verse number 23. Don't pass by this. Listen. Paul said, There stood by me this night an angel of God whom I belong and whom I serve. Listen to me. Do you belong to God today? Acts chapter 9, Paul was born again. He could stand and say, I, not I joined the church, not I was baptized. He says, I belong to God. Do you belong to God today? And if you don't, friend, don't you listen. He stands ready to receive you today if you'll only turn and trust Him to be Lord of your life. Let's bow our heads and, and close our eyes. If you've never been saved and you've never trusted Christ to be Lord of your life, won't you do it today?
where you sit once you simply choose to turn from all your sin, believe that Jesus died for you, believe that he rose again, and trust him to be Lord of your life. Tell him so just like this where you sit. He's listening. God, forgive me a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from it to you. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Make me into the person you want me to be. That's my prayer today. Did you pray that? Did you mean it? I want to invite you to make your way forward here in just a moment because I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. I want to share with you from His Word what the next steps are. You say, I'm in a storm, but I didn't create it. I want to give you a word of encouragement. Psalm 107 verse 23 says, Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger about like drunken men. They're at their wit's end. Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble, and He brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that the waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet, so He guides them to their desired safe haven. I pray that will be your prayer today, that God will guide you that way. Father, speak to your church. You know every need that's represented here. Thank you, God, that you saved the lost. Thank you, God, that those who have wandered out of your will, you can restore. You have the power and the ability to do it. I pray those who need that today will find it in you. And God, I pray for those who are going through storms that are not of their own making, that they'll find peace even right now and be free from all of Satan's lies and just stand like Paul and say, I believe the Lord. You're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake me. The sun's going to shine again. I'll keep serving Jesus. Let's reverently stand our feet.